My advice to you is not actually going to change. Like, I think what you need to do as candidates and as job seekers is actually the same as what it was before, but, but you have more time to do it now. My whole campaign to people or uh, what I tell people is like, you have to tell your story. So I'm trying, I'm, I'm constantly trying to help people understand what story they're telling currently, what it's communicating to people and how they can tweak that so that they're telling a better story, or they're telling a more comprehensive story, or they're telling a more compelling story. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Future of Work Project. My name is Derek Franco, and it is my great pleasure to introduce you to this program dedicated to bringing together smart and thoughtful leaders and innovators experimenting with new and unique ways of working. From remote work and culture to research into the peak performance of human beings, we'll learn alongside these experts pushing the boundaries today. It's my pleasure to introduce today's guest, Tom Nearing. Tom is a recruiter who is part of the Marius Group, one of the top recruiting groups in Los Angeles. Today's episode, which was recorded during the COVID-19 crisis, focuses on helping those who have recently lost their job or find themselves out of work. During our discussion, Tom and I look at some of the advice that he's giving candidates looking for a job during this pandemic and how they can use this time of crisis to their advantage. We'll also look at how so many people online are reaching out to help those affected by the downturn. And finally, we'll look closer at how this crisis has affected the lives of working parents and how this may shape the business landscape post-quarantine. And with that said, it's my great pleasure to welcome Tom Nearing. Thank you for being here, Tom. Oh man, it's my pleasure. Excited. You know, I'd love if we could start by, you know, getting a little bit of background on yourself and your business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so recruiting, um, part of the network, Marius Group, um, joined with a good friend of mine, Matt Alling, who's been in the industry over a decade. Um, he got started actually in the last downturn right in 2008. He was fortunate enough to build out the dev team at Snapchat. So that really kind of built the name for himself. And he's like incredibly well connected um, to a lot of the hottest startups these days. Um, Quibi, for instance, Larry Ellison's new startup, um, um, Sensei, um, really cool ones in San Francisco, Sail Drone, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. But uh, so um, I cut my teeth in the recruiting game on that tech and um, have just been exploring the last four years or so um, what I really love. I mean, I've done everything from recruiting a butcher in San Jose to VP of engineering to um, on the real estate side, VP of leasing um, uh, and property managers, all that kind of stuff. So I've kind of been all over the place and it's been a lot of fun. Um, Personally, I'm from the South and born and raised um, down there. And then I moved out to California in 2005 to Los Angeles and was there about 10 years and then um, way up in Northern California. Um, I was there for a couple of years and then moved down here to Central Coast, California, about three hours north of LA now in uh, like Cal, um, San Luis Obispo area. I always want to say Cal Poly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny that you bring up Matt. Uh, You know, as I had mentioned right before we started recording, 
Um, I had met him a few years back, actually, when I had first moved out to L.A. Um, I mean, just a great guy. Um, it's one of those people that's you can never forget him, you know, just a great personality and a whole lot of energy. He's amazing. Yeah, he's awesome. And so I'm curious, what does your typical day-to-day look like? Um, I mean, are you working out of an office? Are you working remote? So for the first three years, yeah, I started completely remote. Um, and, I, and I'm pretty unique, I think, in the network in terms of my story. And I think it's because Matt and I were just good friends before, before I came on. Um, but I started basically all by myself and just kind of, um, you know, trial by fire, learning, learning the industry and learning, um, you know, how uh, everything works. Um, and um, so I was remote for the first three years. And then sometime last year, I had I'd done a couple different interns, um, but I had a, um, another young gentleman from Cal Poly approach me about wanting an internship. And, um, so I was like, well, let's get an office. So I, I joined a co-working space and I was working at a co-working space until this whole COVID thing happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a crazy kind of thing that popped up and, you know, I, I guess that's probably a perfect time to transition into it. It's when the coronavirus kind of first started coming up as a potential threat, how did it kind of change how you were working on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. Um, I mean, in a lot of different ways, not necessarily with, I guess, my immediate work environment, because I continue to work at the co-working space. Um, but I mean, it was, it was, it followed the pattern, right? Like, so we saw, you know, uh, various different entities, whether it was schools or like the NBA or, you know, all professional sports of like, oh, we might have to take a pause or we might have to play to empty stadiums or we might have to like do this to all, the, for, uh, you know, on one end of the spectrum, all the way to like, we're canceling everything. Yeah. So it was similar in that way where it was like, okay, a club clients are going to go on pause or, you know, you know, this and that or whatever. And then it just followed that trajectory to where, you know, I would say 60, 70, maybe more clients are like either on pause or just gone. And who knows, you know, we're like the whole, you know, just like the rest of the country, Mm -hmm. most of us are just sitting around like waiting to see what's going to happen. So, um, so in that regard, um, a lot of my focus where I was focused on very specific, you know, job uh, or roles uh, and filling those roles. Now it's like, it's a lot more networking. I'm able to like spend a lot more time with candidates, coaching them through like what it looks like to interview or what it looks like to tell their story is kind of the main area that I focus on, Yeah, you know, whether that's a candidate or a company actually. So that, that kind of changed. So it wasn't, I mean, my work environment has changed now because I'm now back at home. So, and we could talk about that in a second, but I think the greatest difference was just how I'm spending my time, um, where I'm adding value. I'm not like purely focused on filling roles or finding jobs for people, but I'm more like going back and spending more time coaching, I would say. When did you kind of realize that you had to make that shift from, you know, job placing to really kind of coaching of the candidates? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, the decision was made for me, you know, um, and, and I've all, it's something I've always done, right? Like regardless, like if I'm, if I have somebody in process with the company, I'm coaching them all the way through and, you know, helping them tell their story. And a lot, most of the time they're in process with other companies too. So they'll have questions about like the offer stage or like, you know, the feedback they're getting or the lack of feedback that they're getting from a company. And so we're always sort of like coaching candidates through that and that kind of thing. So it wasn't like a decision, I would say on my part, it was, I, 
became busier. You know, we put together um, some live streams with some colleagues and we want to continue to do that. I mean, it was just this flood of requests and attention towards like, oh my gosh, what do we do now? Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's ironic or not, but uh, in reality, it, it was, you're not really going to, my advice to you is not actually going to change. Like, I think what you need to do as candidates and as job seekers is actually the same as what it was before, but, but you have more time to do it now because like you've been laid off or because you're working from home or because everything's stalled out. My whole can't quote unquote campaign to people or uh, what I tell people is like, you have to tell your story. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying, I'm, I'm constantly trying to help people understand what story they're telling currently, what it's communicating to people and how they can tweak that so that they're telling a better story, or they're telling a more comprehensive story, or they're telling a more compelling story. So it was just a shift, a supernatural shift from, you know, you, you're, you've got your regular job that you're working, you know, a ton of hours at, then you're trying to make all these other interviews and you're trying to like, you know, fit in some level of attention towards telling your story to where now it's like all their time is spent on curating their, their story. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't a decision I had to make. It was just answering a call. If that makes sense. It was just, um, a very natural progression where people uh, were reaching out, not like, Hey, what jobs do you have? Or, Hey, I'm looking, but it was, you know, help. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And you know, one thing I'd love to tug along there as well is I guess, how did candidates attitudes change as all of this kind of came up? You know, I, I, I can imagine there must've been a little more anxiety on their part or a little more worry, um, especially as everybody kind of was shutting down and, you know, businesses were announcing that, you know, they were canceling internships or they were laying people off. How did the feelings that candidates had change, um, you know, over the course of the month as the Corona outbreak kind of played out? Yeah, it's interesting because even if you just watch that your LinkedIn feed or you're looking at the news, like there's so many different types of experiences. Yeah. And I would say it's the same, like with the various different candidates that I was either already talking to or meeting for the first time. Um, so there's this sort of underlying tone of, I'm kind of freaked out, but I don't know if I should freak out more or what. So there's that. Um, and then there's other, other people who, um, are just like, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, I think everything's going to be okay. And, um, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to, you know, make it if this goes on for three months, but you know, something will work out. So there's, it's kind of that whole, uh, broad spectrum. And honestly, I, you know, I don't know how much, uh, of your listeners, um, are, part of the LinkedIn community, but it's been really encouraging because the LinkedIn community is always really positive in general, but there's just been such a, um, a, a greater attention to encouragement, I think, and people trying to just put out as much resources as they can uh, on that platform. So that's obviously been a slight change uh, in the last couple months. Uh, it's just, I feel like it's fostered community even greater um, and people are really, really collaborating and people are entertaining um, collaborations and partnerships and, um, and different things that they maybe hadn't before. They're thinking more outside the box and stuff like that. So, which is, which is fun. Yeah. And I've noticed that too. I mean, people on, on both sides, you know, they're, they're being very open and honest about if they've lost a job or if they've had struggles and, you know, people have been very, very reactive and really helpful, um, to make sure that they reach out whenever they have an opportunity that comes up. So it's been, 
it's been very nice to see over the last couple of weeks, um, especially as this has played out. Um, and, you know, one thing I'd love to kind of dig into as well is, you know, you mentioned that you're you're normally coaching candidates for these positions anyways, but you've really been focusing on that right now. Um, would you mind if we dig in a little bit into kind of what these coaching pieces look like when you're working with candidates? Um, and then, you know, really any advice that you'd give to somebody that, you know, maybe has found themselves furloughed or, you know, they, they know that they're about to be on the job hunt? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So as I was kind of alluding to earlier, like it all really centers around story um, and what story you're telling. And that's, it's just, to me, it's so paramount, not only for a candidate, but also for a company, um, how you're, how you're telling your story and how you're living your story out. So, and that goes from everything from your resume to your LinkedIn profile to like what you're focused on in the interview process. Um, and I'll just give a shout out real quick to uh, a friend of mine, Madeline Mann. I don't know if you've come across her stuff on LinkedIn, but I utilize um, her platform for a lot of my quote unquote um, coaching because she is so well put together, like concise and like spot on in terms of what I'm trying to communicate to people that I'll go through a coaching session. We'll talk about the resume. We'll talk about the profile. We'll talk about how they're displaying or um, representing themselves in the interview. Mm -hmm. And then I'll just be like, and your homework is to watch as much Madeline Mann content as you can, (laughs) (laughs) you know, know, and she really harps on story. And there's a lot of other really good ones out there too. Jenna Viviano works with a lot of like female executives uh, out there. uh, And she kind of, just the same horn. Austin Belsack is another guy that I just have a lot of respect for in terms of his perspective and, and what he's um, coaching uh, with as well. But it, yeah, it. Um, so we usually start with the resume because that's the easiest thing. And that's the thing that I feel like is kind of can work as a framework or a, a foundation. A lot of times people take their resume and they'll build it out to describe the role in a way that everybody already understands. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like a blueprint for, or let's say a manager of a restaurant. It's like, yeah, every good manager of a restaurant, their resume is going to look like that. You didn't differentiate yourself at all. You just said, yes, I've done this job that you're hiring for type of thing. And it just comes off dry and it's boring and it doesn't tell you a story. So we just, I work with them to kind of go from top to bottom and just talk about the various different things that they've done, but like, let's get your personality in there. Like, don't just use these rote words, like not just what you did, but what was the, what was the effect that it had? Like what change did you um, implement because of that activity? Like, how did you, how were you different? Like what was the pain point before you got there? Um, Or if it was a startup, what was the pain point in the beginning and how did you address that? And what was the outcome? That kind of stuff. But it's so interesting too. Like I, before I got into this industry, I didn't realize I didn't know how to tell my story either. Mm-hmm. And there's a great value. I can't even tell you like how, the value in having somebody else um, walk you through telling your story. If you've got just one other representative, like whether it's a friend, whether it's a coach or whatever, and like you're able to talk through your story and they're able to give you pointers. It's like so valuable, like for me personally and just for anybody else that I'm coaching. So that's a huge help. And that's usually where we start. And then we kind of transfer over into the LinkedIn uh, profile. And that's where you talk about not only telling your story, but it, because it's so visual, because there's like so many aspects that you can add to it, you really start to get into personal branding. 
uh, which it's all personal branding, but like, let's tell your story in a way that like really uh, defines like what you're bringing to the table, not just through metrics and activity, Mm -hmm. but through personality and like, you know, how you see the world so that like, you can really kind of dive in there with the LinkedIn profile. And that's super, super helpful. And then you move into like how you conduct yourself in interviews and and then on top of that, like if you have time, which now people do, and this is what I'm telling everyone right now, if you have a passion, like regardless of what your profession is, like what are your favorite parts of that profession and that career, start to create content around that and put it on LinkedIn. Like whether that's like, you know, a five sentence blurb on like the best parts of PHP or the best parts of React or like whatever, make it fun and engaging and just start putting that out there. Like do a 30 second interview on like a funny story that you've had as a manager or like just whatever it is, whatever you're passionate is, um, don't make it dry and wrote, make it as fun as possible and reflecting your passions. That's what I'm like probably pushing people the most, like more than working on your resume, like get your LinkedIn profile, like to where it's like talking about your passions and Mm -hmm. like surrounding what you do and what you bring to the table um, and think way outside of the box. Like I love, um, you know, of course, Shay Robottom's really popular or whatever. And she, like when she puts out content, it's like super sarcastic and dry wit. And then like a lot of it's just comedy and all this kind of stuff. Anthony Jones is another guy who just puts out content like that. So like when you're putting out content, just have fun with it. Don't try to like, and they're like some of the top influencers, right? So don't try to, um, sell yourself or hard sell anything or say that you're looking for a job or, you know, like anything like that, just talk about what you're passionate about and have fun with it. Treat it like this little pet project that you have, um, and and put that out there. So that's what I really am trying to like push on people right now, because one, it could be a lot of fun for them. And two, it's just going to benefit them immediately. And, you know, for the rest of this year. Yeah, no, that's some great advice. And I think you said it perfectly. You know, content is definitely more valuable than than people realize. And it's just more fun, right? Like yeah. who wants to like spend hours and hours trying to tweak, like, you know, beat their resume to death versus like shooting a fun video or like having a fun conversation or, you know, being silly. No, exactly. Exactly. I love it. Um, and so, you know, one of the things I would love to kind of talk about is really the challenges that you face during this entire COVID time, um, as a parent. Mm. And so, uh, you know, if you wouldn't mind me asking, how many kids do you have? So we got two, two boys. Um, the older is going to turn five in August and, um, the younger one is going to turn two at the end of June. So next month. So, I mean, you, you must've had uh, your hands full the last couple of weeks. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, last three or four years. For <laughs> <laughs> I'd really love to kind of dive into how life has been, um, you know, with all of this going on, you know, I'm pretty sure people have seen it online that, you know, parents are definitely having a, a hard time right now They're, you know, their time is stretched so thin and, uh, yeah, you know, I'd love to just kind of hear a little bit about your experience and, um, you know, just how, how you've dealt with some of these, uh, additional hardships that have come in over these last couple of weeks. Well, I mean, I'm a little bit unique cause I spent that first three years at home. Right. And so you know, when I first took this role and it was, um, I mean, it was just, it was so different and I'm at home. So it seemed like this great thing and it was, but I think there was an underlying tension. And I think a lot, I mean, obviously all the memes all over social media, like it speaks to this, but, um, there's this underlying tension 
that uh, even though you're available and you're there, there is also, you know, as you can even maybe hear my kids in the background now, um, <laughs> you know, uh, of they're trying to stay quiet. And then I'm also trying to like maintain this professional sort of uh, environment as well. Um, so that when I got that co-working space that I mentioned earlier, when I did it, it was so refreshing because, um, while I was available for my wife and for my kids, there was also this tension that we didn't, that it, it was more subconscious of like, she didn't feel free to let the kids be crazy, you mm -hmm. know, and to let like them run around and, you know, it's two boys. I mean, anybody who knows boys, they're just loud and all over the place. So when I stepped out of the home, um, it, there was a lot more relief than we, than we anticipated, I think, uh, on both sides. And for me, it was just, there was just so much lack of tension. And so now coming back, I think having spent all that time in that environment, it's a lot easier. Like I've, it, it, that tension, and, and this is very specific to the, to the current climate, but it's like, it is flu and cold season. So there's part of that. And, you know, we've got little kids, so they're sick all the time. So, you know, one of my, my youngest had croup uh, last week and that was super scary because it sounds like a death rattle when they're trying to breathe at night. And, uh, and my wife was like, he's got COVID, you know, and like all that kind of stuff. So there's these extra tensions that I know across the country and across the world, people are feeling that just are very specific to this environment and to what's happening in the world. So, um, so there is that, um, and, um, I think for me, I'm just a little bit unique because I'm used to it. Um, like I had this experience before all this happened, but for people who are entering into this for the first time, you know, they're dealing with that pretty heightened tension of like trying to have their business meetings and the kids are running through the house, you know, yeah, they're dealing with it for the first time. Right. Exactly. Um, and, um, and I think people back in the day when I first started, I think people were appreciative of it. Uh, it was like kind of maybe 50, 50. Some people were like, you know, Oh, that's cool that you're a dad and you're totally comfortable. And then some people, you know, I'd be like, ah, sorry about that. That's my kid. I'm working from home, blah, blah, blah. And they like weren't cool with it <laughs> or they just were like, you could tell they were like, Oh, it's so unprofessional. Um, but now, right. Like, I think if I could encourage everybody, like it would be like everybody's experiencing it. So nobody's going to be judging you for that at this point. Once it's over, um, there will be less judgment along those lines as well. And um, one other thing I'll say too, because I, I, I think I've seen a lot of posts about this and, and it's something I've dealt with is just before this, whether you're remote or not, but now, especially with remote and if you've been laid off or you know, if your work just looks a lot different because things are so many things are on pause. You know, I mentioned I switched from filling, trying to fill roles to trying to coach people. Um, there's this, you we're all in limbo. And so it's like, how can I be productive at the end of the day? I'm just like, look, like I enjoy talking to people. I don't know if I'm going to be productive. I don't know if this is going to lead to anything. Um, I, I'm just trying to be a, a source of value and help uh, at, at a time of need. And, but, um, I'm very much in that struggle with everybody else. No, that makes perfect sense. And, and, you know, one thing I'd, I'd love to kind of ask about as well is how are you guys dealing with the kids schooling? So he was in preschool. Um, so, uh, he didn't turn five until August. So he was going to start, I mean, he's supposed to start, uh, kindergarten in August. 
but and so he was in preschool two days a week um so it's not that big of a change obviously we you know he's not getting uh the social you know none of us are getting the social interaction that we had and um they had a lot of intentional like you know uh right reading and writing and, and learning the alphabet and all that kind of stuff that he was a part of um and now <laughs> i think because i don't think my mind has caught up to um you know a lot of, if you're in school it's like you gotta finish your assignments you gotta finish your school and all that stuff but because i think he was just preschool. I haven't even really thought about trying to keep him on as you know, track, which I'm actually embarrassed to say. <laughs> well, and I mean, it's, it's not that big of a thing right now because I, right. I think that that's one of the big things is, you know, they'll get back into it. Well, and the other thing about that, and um, this is just obviously hundred percent off the cuff, but I think in a large part, there is a lot of our educational system that's broken. And I think tons of people talk about that, right? Yeah. Like, and I've always felt, always, 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 that experience was the best teacher. Like, how is this actually, like, making a difference? How is this um, uh, effective and important, like, to what I'm going to be doing? And so, like, I think if I, uh, you know, in a utopia, if I could create an educational system for my kids, it would be at least 50% practical application at all yeah. times. Like, not just with like creating a volcano for a science project or like whatever, but like how deep can we dive into applying the things that they're learning to their current life? Are they, you know, are they running track? Are they doing pole vault? Okay. Let's bring geometry into that. Like, are they, you know, whatever it is that they're doing, you know, so for my kids, like uh, my five-year-old, four and a half-year-old loves animals. Mm -hmm. So we like, we'll go out and like, we're, talking about like worms and you know birds and squirrels and everything that's around there and he just lights up and so there's he tells me he he yeah. teaches me about animals you know at that level so focusing in on what kids are interested in at at the time and really pressing into educating them in those ways i think is so much more beneficial yeah and just like you said you know they they can use this time now to rather than go along the curriculum lines they can take the time to actually explore and learn more about what they're passionate about, which, you know, really is going to lead to better outcomes in the end. Well, that's the thing. I, I feel like I'm still, and a lot of people will say this, but I'm still trying to figure out what I'm interested in. Right. But because I was so busy, always like learning a bunch of other stuff that people were cramming down my throats. Um, I think for a lot of people, we're still trying to figure out like what it is, what are we passionate about? What do we yeah. like? What are we good at? You know? Um, and there's just not that much attention. I don't think, on that aspect of, of life, really. Really, my last question that I'd love to kind of go along with is, what are your thoughts on kind of what the business climate will look like as we get near the end of the quarantine time? You know, it, it's going to be a very interesting time frame. Um, you know, we're, we're going to have different states that are getting out of quarantine before others. You know, I don't think we're going to have life as normal right away. Um, I mean, really, Personally, I don't see it coming at least until the end of the year all over. But I guess, what do you expect, at least either in your industry or with companies that you're working with, as the quarantine kind of slows down? Mm, mm. So a um, couple of things. One, um, just kind of piggybacking on what we were just talking about. Um, but you know what's, what's funny, and I don't know if a lot of people feel this way, um, but for me, I'm almost afraid, mostly afraid that like the, the thing that I want to happen the least 
is everything to go back to exactly the way it was. Yeah. <laughs> That's like what I don't want for everyone because I just don't like I don't want us to get back into the rat race or like whatever. I don't want everything to be status quo. I want us to like receive more about what this life is like um and what it's about. Um so that's but it could, right? It could just, you know, snap back and be relatively normal, but on the other end of the spectrum, you know, um the world is getting, you know, quote unquote smaller and smaller and especially with the internet, um the way that we're all interacting is changing where the entire world experiences something at the same time and it collapses a lot of different economies. So we will be forced to work together in a way that we've never had to before. And so there's like this consolidation of borders and what government looks like and how we're governed and there's less separation. So I don't know if, but I could see it, you know, that's a little bit far fetched, but I could see it going in that direction as well. And and that makes perfect sense because you're right. You know, we, we've all, regardless of where you are, experienced this in some regard. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you're right, you know, having that, I think that's one thing that no matter what with the human experience that always brings us together is having a shared event or environment always brings people together in the end. Yeah. And, you know, as we were even talking about remote work, like there's there's going to be a large capacity for your team to be not just distributed across your country, but like the world, really. I mean, that's already existence, right? Like companies have their entire dev team distributed in India, you know, or whatever. Um, but another thing I want to say, because I'm a huge proponent of remote work, and hopefully this whole thing will kind of change the landscape for a lot of companies, is it was, it, there was this resistance towards like, even though a ton, like you got Envision, who's like almost 100% remote, Doximity, there's another up and coming company that was like 70, 80% remote. Like there's all these up and coming, like great companies. I think Netflix is very uh, distributed um, as well. But um, you had these great distributed companies, but there was a lot of like older companies that weren't comfortable with it yet. And I totally understand like how hard that transition would be. Ultimately, I think the most beneficial dynamic is if you're, if you're able to have a choice, like if you can work from home for a day or five days or have a co-working space or something along those lines like it has been so like freeing to have that um that i think and i hope that more and more people are able to experience that because ultimately i have never been more productive i've never loved my job more i've never um had a sense a greater and deeper sense of ownership so there's a greater sense of, even of accountability too when you've got you don't have somebody looking over your shoulder all the time and you're not like dreading Mondays if you hate your job if you're like if you're celebrating Fridays and bemoaning Mondays like you need to get a different job or like seriously radically think about like what you're doing with your life this is one of maybe the first times where I got a taste of that and I was like wow like there's so much to be said there and there's so much radical potential for companies if they will kind of jump off that cliff or like take that leap of faith and allow people to um 
maybe struggle at first with remote and figuring it out. But once they're able to like lock in, they're going to be so much more productive individuals and take so much more ownership. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. And, and actually I'm curious, do you foresee, especially after this, more people that are looking for jobs, making remote work a requirement for their next job, or even if it's not fully remote, remote, at least part-time. I hope so. Um, but I, you know, but I hope that people will be able to like, think about it objectively. So the reality is like, let's stop swinging back and forth to each extreme and let's find a balance where you give people choice. And so, yeah, I hope that people will, will see that middle ground and, 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 and shoot for that balance. At the end of the day, when we come back online, people are going to want a job and want security so much. I don't think that they're going to be, I don't think by and large, I don't think people are going to be um, insistent on having something very specific like that. You know, again, it'll, it'll largely depend on personality, but, um, and, and just the, the temperature of the room, you know, if people feel like, gosh, there's a million jobs out there right now. Everybody's hiring. I can take my time. I can take a little bit of time and really pick the right one. I hope that's what the temperature in the room will be. Then it maybe maybe people will make those, um, you know, boundaries for themselves about what they want. Um, but it'll all just depend. If people are like, I'm out of, my stimulus has run out. Like, I don't have anything. I got to pay rent next month. I'm, I got a job right now. I think, you know, obviously that'll be a different story too. No, for sure. For sure. Well, Tom, thank you very much for taking the time to sit down with me. Uh, this was an amazing conversation. And uh, yeah, you know, really thank you for, you know, kind of what you've been doing with all these people out there that, you know, coaching them, helping them find a job. And uh, yeah, you know, you and your family be safe during this crazy time. Oh, Derek, man, it was, it was my pleasure. I really enjoyed speaking with you as well and um, stoked to continue interacting with you and um, trading ideas, trading, trading thoughts. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And we'll, we'll have to meet up after all this craziness is over here in L.A. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Tom. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Future of Work Project. Now, as with all of our work, this interview is part of our ongoing research, and I'd love to get your thoughts and feedback on the discussion. To weigh in, visit our website at fowproject.com or reach out on Instagram at the FOW Project. We'll be sure to share the feedback on our social channels, and it could be featured in an upcoming episode. And with that said, thank you for listening.